0: Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I
1: have you now.
0: We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
2: Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it.
0: My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious...
1: You're listening to the 30 Something Movie Podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It's the thirty-something movie podcast, and it's not going to do any good if I start singing because I can't sing. But I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm on a podcast and I'm singing. We're just going to leave that to the professionals. Yeah. Yes. Why, why are you singing tonight, Josh? I don't. It just felt like it. Well, good for you. Because because my soul is filled with music. It's filled with three hour and a half episodes of music.
2: Yeah, that's outstanding. That that uh, the music podcast has so far like cost me almost a hundred bucks last night on iTunes. <laughs>
1: Uh huh. Yeah, it, it kind of cost me a trip to the uh, to one of the local libraries halfway through the day. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. Do I need lunch, yeah. or do I need to go to the soundtrack section of the library and grab a couple things?
2: It's like it's like shots of Jaeger when you're in college. They just keep going down so easy, and then hmm. you see the bill.
1: What do you mean, college? Good point. Maybe, Good point. Maybe. maybe so, maybe, how did your week start off, maybe, John? Maybe I'm doing that right now. I went to the library, and you did Jaeger shots, and that's how we roll. And here we all are. And here we all are. Here you are. You are the co-hosts. You are Jeff, and you are Pat. And I am John. All right. Well, this is, as we mentioned before, this is the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, we are coming off of a three-episode extravaganza that started with our 150th. So we are now on episode 153. Um, so we now have nothing to look forward to for another 47 episodes, I guess. Um, I, I, I suppose I could come up with another topic for us to be uh, about. We could. We to
0: put- I was just going to say, what are, we, what are we
2: doing for the 200th thing?
1: That uh, the two hundred. We got to think about that one. Okay. I would like to say that's a little ways away, but I started making the list for next year's podcasts, and I realized that it's really actually not that far. No. So.
2: Objects in the mirror, you know. Yeah. I just want to say that I like Jeffrey's idea of doing the magnificence or the uh uh uh,
1: oh great escape. Great escape Mm fifty
2: fifth anniversary. And
1: I'm, I'm up for that. if
2: we want to make it like an annual thing and do the 55th next year, the 56th, the following year, the 57th, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd be fine with that too.
1: Why don't we just create a podcast where once a year you do an episode on the Great Escape?
2: The Great Escape Minute. Yeah. Maybe,
1: I, maybe that's it. Maybe I need to do the Great Escape maybe, Minute podcast. Maybe you could do that. Maybe it's like, yeah, just take it minute by minute and do it that way. The, the guys who did the one I used to listen to, I used to cause it just ended last week was the Rocketeer Minute Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent podcast. I don't think they're ever going to get Joe Johnson to do any kind of director commentary for The Rocketeer, just just based off how it was left with Disney when, when he left there uh, after that movie was made. I, and, and I don't know that I understand all that because he has since done a Marvel movie with Captain America, so I don't know how you can have a bad relationship with disney and then go make another one um but uh I, I that podcast if anybody wants director commentary just go listen to that podcast because it is hours upon hours of all this information that you wouldn't even be able to cram into a, a director commentary so um it was just an excellent podcast and i found out they're going to do they're going to do another one uh they're going to do the bram stoker's dracula minute cool so i am i'm on board for that one too but yeah you could do the great escape minute cool or you could, if you're really detailed, you could do the Great Escape thirty seconds, and you do like every thirty seconds of the movie.
2: I I could do that. That it just stretches out. It's gonna be pretty simple, you know. Whenever McQueen comes on stage, it's just, dude, here it is, awesome, awesome, and the, the awesome is just, you know. And then when McQueen comes on stage with his motorcycle, then mm. it's like awesome, all in caps, and me yelling.
1: Well, that motorcycle so, scene, I mean, what do you? That motorcycle scene's gonna yeah. take you what three weeks?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: We got well, a couple of hold, couple of other on, things first. Hold on, what?
0: Hold on. I, I, I've got a couple of other movie music things
1: that I okay. I got two things I want to bring up about movie music. That okay, that's, that's what I was going to say. If we got other stuff to say, let's do that first. But what do, you, what do you got? So one thing that we didn't bring up, and I don't know
0: how we missed it, was talking about the, uh, the solfege in um, Close Encounters, that five-note music sequence that they use for communicating with oh, the yeah. aliens. Yeah, I don't know how we didn't think to talk about that. My goodness, what an incredible plot point
1: to have in the movie that the common language happens to be music. Absolutely. You know, other places will parody that, or like you mentioned, the, uh, the, the noise for the Batman transition is the ringtone on the Riddler's phone in Gotham. And what was, I was watching something the other day where there was another little musical theme that came up in another show I was watching, and that one seems to come up in a lot of different places it gets referenced in a lot of other movies and TV shows
2: such a prevalent part of the movie you know mm-hmm. and I would be willing to bet Jeff you're probably more familiar with the score than I am but I mean that riff takes a big role in the score too is not yeah. that kind of one of the, the the themes or one of the motives that he uses when he's composing it
0: yeah absolutely
2: yeah just a oh, just a just a very cool thing
0: so I, I definitely wanted to mention that one and um the other thing that occurred to me, the, the use of a song in a movie would be um, Queen's Don't Stop Me Now
1: from Shaun of the Dead. Great oh, use of the song uh, at the end of that movie. I thought of so many other things. I mean, it, and we talked for hours, but I thought of so many other other things afterwards. Like, Oh, we didn't talk about this. Oh, we didn't talk about that. No, I, there's just, there's too much good stuff.
0: Yeah. There, 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 just is, and I'm sure. The more I think about it, the more I'm going to come up with more things. Yet, so I'm just going to leave it at those two things that I wanted to. Yeah, uh, just
2: wanted to get out there.
1: Yeah, just put those out there for consideration. Yeah, yeah. I was, and and Pat, like you, messaged the other day that you went off and you you bought a whole bunch of soundtracks. Uh, yeah, you know, after listening to the the podcast and after talking and and like I said, I did the same thing. Went to the library and and uh, grabbed a whole bunch of CDs. They had like a a, a best of uh, James Horner's music that I picked up. Um, you know, they had a. I realized I had not. Um, I don't have the soundtrack to Interstellar, and I I feel like I remember watching that movie and enjoying the music. So I, I picked up the the soundtrack to that one too to listen to that. And uh, you know, one thing I did—I did my civic duty—and I realized okay. that um, I realized that Blues Brothers was in the movie soundtrack section, so I moved it to the musicals section. And I hope the librarians were okay with that.
2: Well, okay with that. that uh, you know, is Jeff going to be okay with
1: that? I don't know. I mean, I just—I felt like it was the time I went to the library and I had to move Howard the Duck from the children's section to the adult section because they—they just didn't know. So.
2: Yeah. Well, i don't know i don't know that 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 uh i'll let you and jeffrey uh discuss that that move of the blues brothers you know but um definitely a good soundtrack nonetheless
1: Mm -hmm. that's true that's true we'll we'll leave it at that for now that can we could do a whole other podcast on that um the uh the one other thing i wanted to bring up um and i don't i couldn't really find too many other new movie news type things. Um, But the one other thing I wanted to bring up was something I had tweeted out from our podcast Twitter account a little while back was they are re releasing Superman, the movie with additional scenes put back in, I guess. um, And I don't know that I remember this, um, but there was a TV release that had, Oh gosh, how many, how many extra minutes was it? it? It almost turned it into like a three hour movie. I think. Yeah and, this,
2: yeah. and this is Superman Returns?
1: No, this is the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeve.
2: Oh, oh. That's going to have more scenes to
1: it. Yeah. So they have, wow. uh, they're calling it Superman the Movie, the Extended Cut. Um, and it's going to be coming out on DVD and Blu ray. Um, okay, so an extended cut of Superman the Movie, a three hour version of the blockbuster that aired on TV in the 80s, will be made available uh, in high definition from the Warner Archive soon. Um, this is from comicbook.com. And they are... Uh, uh, they're calling it... Uh, some places are calling it the extended cut. Some are calling it the epic cut. Um, and it was... It restored 49 additional minutes to the film's runtime. And it debuted on ABC in 1982. Yeah, I guess what they did was they, they made it a two-night event. And so they showed the first half of it on one night and the second half of it on the next night. Um, there's extended elements of krypton you get to see more of krypton in the beginning i guess you get to see a little bit more of of smallville and then uh some extended stuff in metropolis and at the fortress of solitude um so they and and i guess adds obviously a little bit more character development and a little bit more action to it um so i most likely will go out and get this because i love superman and i love superman the movie and i think i own every version of it um Jeff, you had had then tweeted out in response an interesting question. Has there ever been a re-release of something that added additional footage that has been worth it or worthwhile?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think of of when I've seen or fallen for the trap or fallen into the trap of purchasing a movie because it's um, new footage added you know does the new footage really add much of anything to the story or to the movie and i i, I struggled to come up with a uh, with an example where yeah, this footage was added this movie is that much more enjoyable do you count the lord of the rings ones because wasn't
2: the lord of the rings didn't they release the original lord of the rings and they were like the lord of the rings and then when they came out again there was the super extended version where each movie went from like being two hours long to four hours it, long it was
1: like a four hour movie yeah yeah in fact i think those were the those were the copies my brother bought i went as soon as they came out i bought just the the original dvd version but my brother the diehard lord of the rings fan he bought all of the extended versions of all those movies um and yeah they, i think most of them clocked in at about four hours
2: yeah, yeah. you know what it's funny as i say this i'm having two thoughts one is, oh crud! Now I need to go buy another soundtrack because I don't have the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Number two, I gotta watch those movies again, and then number three, I want to say that I—I I mean, I saw them in the theater, so I guess I saw only the two-hour version. But then I bought the super extended, hyper, whatever version. So I think those are kind of like the only ones that I have, you know, in my consciousness. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't know what's what's your take on Lord of the Rings? Did it? add or detract or no, you know, no comment on the the extended versions.
1: I, for me, when, I don't know, for me, those, it almost went on too long. It was cool, but I'm also not, I I had not read the books. You know, I had read, I think I'd read The Hobbit and I think I had started to read Fellowship of the Ring by the time those movies came out. And then at that point I, I couldn't catch up with the movies coming out and, and so I just kind of said, "I'll oh, fine, I'll just watch the movies." So, I I guess I'm not as diehard a fan of the the books themselves, but my mm-hmm. brother was, so I think to him it was the chance to be able to see what he had always read on screen. And I think that's why he loved it. To me, I got the story. I got the story that I needed to get in the uh, the official original theatrical releases, and those movies I felt like were long enough. Was it was cool to see some of the other stuff added in but after I watched it once it was not something that I felt like I was ever going to watch again if I was going to go back and rewatch it I would just watch the theatrical version
0: so, yeah I mean I, I don't know that I I would seek out the mega extended I mean I I took issue with how long the movies were to begin with so um, I don't necessarily know that I would seek out the added, uh, the added footage one, but again, I mean, you know, it, it, I like I, said, I struggled to come up with the movie where um, it was re-released with extra footage, and that somehow the extra footage enhanced the movie in a way, like it just became a better film.
1: Right. Yeah. The times I was trying to think of other movies because I I enjoy getting a DVD or a Blu-ray and going in and watching the deleted scenes. And sometimes I'll enjoy it when a, when deleted scenes get added back into a movie, but I'm I'm thinking of the one the the only other example I can think of off the top of my head that happens to also be part of the Superman movies is when they did the Richard Donner cut a few years ago, and right. they took that footage from Superman 2 because um, with the change in directors from Richard Donner to Richard Lester, there was a total shift in the tone of the movie, and I I bought that one I bought that one on DVD and and I watched it when that one came out and I I really I really enjoyed watching what I guess would have been as close to you, as close to what you could do with his take on the movie you know whatever it was 20 some years after the fact um, I enjoyed watching it when I go back and rewatch Superman 2 I'm not going to rewatch the Richard Donner cut I mean I I might pull it out and rewatch it every few years or so just to remind myself but the one I remember watching most is the, is the theatrical version that was in theaters and then on TV for years and years and years. And that's the one that as a family growing up, we watched that one. So do I enjoy the Richard Donner cut? Yes, because I do like – I like seeing the take where it's a little bit more of a serious movie and, and at times where there's a little less campiness and, and Zod's a little more menacing and um, you know some of that stuff. But is that the one that I'm going to watch more regularly? No. It's, it's maybe just more of a spectacle than anything.
0: Right. And when you look at the likes of, um, you know, I, I think the best example would be Star Wars or yep. E.T. You know, you had those movies that were re-released with extra footage that wasn't in the originals. And we know in, in the case of Star Wars, it did very little to enhance the uh, enhance the story, right? And you know, same thing with ET. When Spielberg made or, or put added footage into ET and um, made some changes to ET, he was met with a lot of a lot of flack, and he used that as a learning lesson for himself. You know, he he walked away from that saying, you know, as much as I, as much as maybe the movie I made in the eighties isn't the movie. That I wanted to make or that I take umbrage with now once a movie is released it belongs to the fans and you're messing with their memories and you're messing with their feelings about a movie and, and you can't do that to a fan
2: yeah I um you know I, I get what you're saying I, I see for me a lot of times and and, and again, this is, as I've often said, maybe because I'm a simpleton, um, I always kind of fall into the trap of more movie, more better. So for me, like, oh, wow, four hour Lord of the Rings, I'll take it. This is going to be awesome. And oh, wow, there's going to be, you know, added scenes for this. And, and so I would say for the majority of times, I always am curious to see what the director's cut is. And so many times, like, I'll um, watch the director's cut first or you know, before, you know, if I had a choice, if it's on the DVD, and I've never seen the movie nine times out of 10, I'll throw the director's cut on just because I want to see that, that whole thing. Now, that being said, sometimes the director's cuts are, you know, it's just, it's just like, how can I say this? If it's done the right way, then then my thought is always, well, if that's what the director wanted to do, Why didn't he do it? Was it a case of money? Was it a case of the editors telling him, you know, or the whoever cuts down the movie says, okay, well, this is gonna run too long or the content's too inappropriate, or it it's just it it doubles up other scenes, it's it's not needed material, or was it just you know, he, he wasn't able to that was he wasn't for whatever reason he really wanted to make that vision. So that's what I'm always curious with with the director's cuts is well what did the director really want to put out the first time and why couldn't he? As opposed to sometimes and I think maybe the maybe the Star Wars stuff kind of fell into this trap was you know, I like watching deleted scenes, you know, for curiosity's sake, but I can see why they're out of the movie because it didn't add anything to it. And so I guess I guess if it's a, if it's if it's a case of that, I guess I would just rather go on the DVD or the Blu-ray or whatever and watch the 10 deleted scenes just, you know, one, two, three, four, five, you know, just shoot down the deleted scenes and say, oh, okay, that's cool. That would have been cool to see in there, but I can understand why they kept them out. Yeah. But do you guys get what I'm saying? It's kind of like, there's two different ways to look at it. You know, are they, are they just throwing in more deleted scenes just to sell more DVDs? Or was this really what the director wanted to do, but he couldn't for one reason or another. And so I guess that kind of informs me whether, you know, informs my decision on whether I'm going to Get the director's cut or not
1: right well, and I, th- I think a, a big reason for the director's cut is that's what the director originally wanted to do, but much like you know songs on the radio you got to keep it to a certain length. what is it? There's a Billy Joel song and he mentions you got to you got to keep it down to like three o five or something like that for a song on the radio, and I think a lot of it is more of the well, you know American audiences or, or movie going audiences are not going to watch a movie that's beyond. An hour and a half, or beyond two hours, or you know, nowadays it seems like there's for particularly for action movies, there's a take that you know "Ah, that two and a half hour mark, don't go past that if you're doing an action movie because nobody's nobody's going to want to go past two and a half hours. Well, you know, if it's a good movie, sure, you know, Braveheart, Braveheart goes past two and a half hours and. I'll watch that one left and right, but I think a lot of it is the studios wanting to keep that runtime down so that they can, you know, have more showings of it in the theater and, um, you know, just want to kind of keep the keep the thing as, as trim and, and quickly moving as possible. I, I think of some of the ones that have maybe totally changed the way the movie comes out looking, and that's um, like Blade Runner. Uh, the Blade Runner director's cut. I mean, there's been a ton of different Blade Runner cuts that have come out over the years. Um, same thing with Aliens. Aliens had a couple of different versions too, and uh, you know, it, some of those different versions of the movie they totally change the uh, totally change the tone, totally change even the outcome of the movie in some in some ways.
2: Right. Right.
1: All right. Well, yeah. So I, I I thought that was a good question, Jeff. When you uh, when you tweeted that out, I thought that was a good question worthy of talking about for a few minutes. And like I said, I think I'm probably gonna go. At the very least, I will rent the uh, Superman Extended Edition just to see what the extra stuff is. I don't know if I'll buy it or not, but uh, I'll at least take a look at it. All right. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you buy it, I'd be interested in watching it. Okay. Yeah.
0: But I don't necessarily know that I I would go out and and buy it myself unless it does somehow really enhance
1: storytelling of superman yeah all right well shall we uh oh you know what before we jump on into talking about our movie that we've got for this week uh, i did want to say a very quick happy birthday to one movie and one man uh the movie happy birthday princess bride turns 30 today wow so, um, and then happy birthday to Mark Hamill, who turns thirty plus maybe a couple of years today. Oh wow! So, so it's Princess Bride and Luke Skywalker's birthday today. So
0: we re- we reached the point in, in class today watching Princess Bride when um, Inigo Montoya gets his revenge on Count Rugen.
1: And Yes. 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 The class applauded. Nice. So they got it they're in. So basically they have all exceeded the standards. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Every kid in that we class is getting standards. an A. Market four, dude. That's a stand, That's outstanding. Um, so I do have two more
0: things I want to mention real briefly before we get into batteries. Yeah, go for it. Um, so this goes back to our Spaceballs podcast. The, uh, the auction for Dark Helmets Helmet is over. Okay.
1: Did you hear who got it? was it chris hardwick it was chris hardwick <laughs> i heard i would listen to their hostful uh podcast uh maybe about a week ago and i heard him talking about it i didn't know for certain if he had got it or not but yeah so he got yeah. it
0: and then he had max brooks author max brooks on the podcast who's mel's son yeah and max says to him you know what just bring it by the office my dad will sign it for you
1: <laughs> would it be nice to know all those people how about it? Right? I'm just like, yeah.
0: oh, and here I am in my car. Right. Okay, good. Just, good
1: for you, Chris just, Hardwick. Just stop by the office, and, and Dad'll sign it.
2: And wait. And
0: who's wait? Who's Dad? Whose kid said this?
1: Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks's son, Max.
0: <coughs> an author. So Max was being interviewed, and Chris was talking to him about how he got into an uh, an online, you know, wage auction battle, and ended up winning the helmet. And Max said, "Well, you know, you know, if you ever want to sign, just bring it by the office, and my dad will sign it for you."
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's outstanding.
0: The last piece of uh, news I want to throw out there is um, I don't know if you heard, X Files is coming back. I think for a
1: ten episode season. Okay, I you know I I think I did hear that. I still have not had a chance to go back and rewatch. What was it? Six episodes. Yeah, I haven't seen those either. A couple years ago. Um, I, they've, I, been pulled, they've all been pulled off of Netflix,
0: so I never got a chance to finish okay. the, the regular run. Um, but I wanted to. what I wanted to bring up was that they are bringing back an actress from the first season. No, from... Not the first season. From the first go-round of the show. Okay. And she is from everyone's favorite episode titled home, mm-hmm. it's the amputee mother that lived under the bed. Oh, you're kidding. So that actress will be back, although they're saying she's not gonna be back in the same role. Okay. Um, which it would be interesting to see if she did come back in that same role. Uh-huh. Um, but they've, they've, they've brought her into, I think they said they, she may be playing a number of characters, whatever
1: that means in X-Files universe. Mm, yeah i that that episode still gives me chills yeah yeah i just think about it now i'm not gonna sleep tonight mm-hmm. and and talk about talk about use of music uh in that episode with every time they every time they pull up or they leave in the in the sport in the uh, classic car they've got and they're always playing like the sounds like the old 50s songs and oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man that was a good episode It was disturbing beyond belief. Yes. Good, but disturbing beyond belief, which could describe any one of us as well. (laughs) True. Very true. There you go. Basically, we are home. Why don't we uh, Why don't we dive on into batteries not included here? And, and very quickly, let me do Let me say that we do spoil the events of the movies that we talk about. So if this is your first time here, we're going to spoil the events of this movie. We're going to talk about the story. We're going to talk about the characters. Uh, so if you have not seen it yet, you may want to back up, go watch the movie, and then come on back. Um, that being said, let's jump on into some information, some behind the scenes stuff on batteries not included. Uh, it came out on the 18th of December, 1987. Rated PG with a runtime of one hour and 46 minutes. Directed by Matthew Robbins, uh, who also directed Corvette Summer and Dragon Slayer. Uh, producer was Ronald L. Schwari, who also did Ordinary People, Scent of a Woman, and Meet Joe Black. Writers on this one were Mick Garris, who did the story. Uh, he also wrote Hocus Pocus, Critters 2, and The Fly 2. Uh, screenplay on this one's written by a whole bunch of different people. Uh, Brad Bird, I believe this was one of his first screenplays, but he eventually went on to do The Iron Giant, The Incredibles, and Ratatouille. Uh, Matthew Robbins, the director, also wrote uh, a, an early treatment for uh, George Lucas's Electronic Labyrinth THX 1138 4EB, which eventually would become TH- THX 1138. Uh, he also wrote Corvette Summer and Crimson Peak. Brent Maddock did Short Circuit, Tremors, and Wild Wild West, and uh, S.S. Wilson also did Short Circuit, Tremors, and Wild Wild West. Cinematography was done, done by John McPherson, who died in 2007. Uh, he did cinematography for the Incredible Hulk TV show and Jaws the Revenge. James Horner did the music. He died in 2015. We just talked a lot about him over the last three episodes. Uh, he did Titanic, Braveheart, Rocketeer, and Star Trek II, among many other things. Budget for this one was $25 million and the box office was $65.1 million. Uh, Hume Cronin, who died in 2003. So a lot of the actors in this movie, even some of the ones that are not that old, have died since making this movie. So that's, yeah. a, little, that's a little sad. Uh, but Hume Cronin died in 2003. He was Frank Riley. He was in Cocoon, Shadow of a Doubt, and The Pelican Brief. Jessica Tandy died in 1994. She was Faye Riley. She was in The Birds, Driving Miss Daisy, and Fried Green Tomatoes. Frank McRae was Harry Noble, uh, was in Rocky II, 48 Hours, and License to Kill. Elizabeth Pena died in 2014. She was Marissa Esteval. She was in La Bamba, The Incredibles, and Rush Hour. Michael Carmine died in 1989. He was Carlos. He was in Leviathan and Band of the Hand. Dennis Bootsicaras was Mason Baylor. He was in The Born Legacy and Better Call Saul. Tom Eldridge, who died in 2011, was Sid Hogginson. Hodginson. Uh, Cold Mountain, what about Bob? Jane Hoffman, who died in 20, uh, 2004, was Muriel Hodginson. She was in De- Deconstructing Harry and In and Out. John DeSanti was Gus. He was in the Presidio. John Pankow was Kovacs, the uh, driver for Mr. Lacey. He was in Mad About You and To Live and To Die in LA. And Michael Green played Lacey. He was in To Live and Die in LA and Less Than Zero. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have given this one a 60%. Audience gives it a 63%. uh, And I picked out three different critics, uh, all actually from Chicago publications. Uh, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune said, This film is so harmless, it's boring, and gave it two out of four stars. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader said, The extraterrestrial elves who thrive on electricity and replicate themselves out of scrap metal are no less charming, and the special effects show them off gracefully. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times said, Cronin and Tandy rescue the movie from looking altogether like a retread, and the saucers do their part, too. Designed by industrial light and magic, the visual effects wizards, the saucers swoop and vibrate and blink and purr and even have children, which they assemble out of old toasters and other household appliances. Batteries Not Included is a sweet, cheerful, and funny family entertainment. And he gave it a three out of four stars. CinemaScore gave it a B+. Plus. Uh, The awards for this one, it won the Saturn Award for Best Actress, Jessica Tandy, the Young Artist Award for Best Family Motion Picture Comedy, Uh, and a quick summary of the story. uh, Frank and Faye Riley, uh, played by Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy, are an elderly New York couple living in a depressed part of town. There, they run a diner as well as an apartment building, which is home to a poor but friendly group of people. One day, Frank and Faye learn that property developer wants them to sell the apartment. When they refuse, their diner is vandalized. However, Frank, Faye, and their tenants are aided by mysterious flying saucers, which help them repair the diner and fight back. The residents of 817 East 8th Street are about to lose everything they have. What do you mean those tenants are still in there?
0: Tonight. I'll
2: have them out by tonight. Nothing in this world can save them. Nothing. What a miracle. Steven Spielberg presents a Matthew Robbins film. Welcome to America. (laughs) Spaceships from a very small planet.
1: Very small. This is history. Machines that reproduce themselves.
0: I like being a family again. What the hell is that? It's them, <laughs> the little guys. I don't know how you got here Oh, why you picked up
2: Somebody's helping them. Somebody's bringing them together. Is that why you're here? Batteries Not Included. Starring Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy. Cool.
1: I kind of feel like other cool. than, other than in, uh, there was an entry on the Industrial Light and Magic website that talks a little bit about you know the motion, some of the motion capture that they did, but it doesn't really say much. It's almost just like a, a resume entry that, you know, here's something we did. Um, I, I looked, I, I, I took a few days to try to do some research on this movie. And like, you know, sometimes you'll find websites that say like, hey, it's the 30th anniversary of... Princess Bride, where are the actors where are the actors now? Fifteen things No, they never do round numbers like that. Uh, seventeen point three things you never knew about Breakfast Club yeah. we- websites like that, I could find nothing for batteries not included. Oh. I found absolutely nothing. So I do not have any other background information on this one. Um, the only things that I did find were just different reviews uh, that people wrote at the time. And it was not really... It got mixed reviews when it came out. Um, I have one in particular review that I will mention a little bit later because it, it kind of comments on, on a criticism that this person had of Spielberg and his movies, especially at the time. Um, and I did have the only other interesting thing I found. And... Maybe you guys have seen this. And I, I kind of felt like I had seen this at one point, but I don't know if it's just the paranoia of the internet playing on me. Um, the only other thing that I found was there are a ton of people that are totally convinced that there was a sequel called Batteries Still Not Included. And i oh. I, I feel like I th- thought there was, but... People there, there are like all these uh, Reddit threads and and people searching online saying I, I was totally convinced I had a VHS of the sequel to Batteries Not Included. It didn't have the original actors in it because they had passed away. But I, I, I I'm convinced I had a VHS, but I've never seen it on DVD. Can somebody help me find it? And there's all these people responding saying, dude, there's no mention of that movie anywhere. Like no mention of a sequel anywhere on the internet. IMDb, you know, no other mention of a Batteries Not Included too. So that was the only thing consistently that I could find um, about this movie. Huh. So there's a few people, there's a few YouTube videos here and there of people uh, trying to kind of make their own replica props of the robots, of the little flying saucers from the movie. Uh, but yeah, no, other than that, none. Uh, I think even the DVD copy that I had of this uh, didn't have any extras on it. So I, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of information out there on it.
2: They made the movie they wanted to make, and then they got out. That was it. Bam. I guess, done. I
1: guess so. so. So we'll start with our, our typical question. Um, is this the first time you watched this movie? And if not, when did you see this for the first time? And I will start by saying I saw this probably not long after it came out in the theater, probably when it came out on VHS. I do remember seeing it once. And this, watching it just a couple of days ago, was probably the first time in Nearly thirty years that I had seen it, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.
2: What about you, Jeff?
0: Uh, I remember watching this a bit when I was a kid. I think we must have taped it off of HBO or something. Um, I have I have the DVD of it. Uh, it was a happy accident. I found it in the like a five dollar sale bin. At uh, Walmart or something, so I snagged it up right away. Um, I, w- you know, I'll watch this movie every other year or so. I mean, I really like, I really like this film, and and the more that I watch it, the more that I feel like I'm getting something or making some sort of connection to it. Um, and I'll leave it at that for now. I'll share some of my thoughts about it after watching it the other day once we start getting into that. But Pat, what uh, what's your background with?
2: I, I think I'm gonna take John's idea, I or John's answer. I, I wanna say I saw this, this was kind of like one of the family movies that we watched. I, I don't know if we would have gone to the theater or if we would have rented it. Um, but I saw it from a young age and then I was always aware of it, like I think, I think Tammy's grandma was a big fan of this movie. This one and uh, uh, what was the one, uh, Johnny Five is Alive, Short Circuit. Yeah, short circuit. She, I think she really liked both of those movies. And uh, so I remember, you know, when we go visit Tammy's grandma, that would always be on her movie shelf, that she was a big fan of this movie. And um, I'll be honest, I, John, I'm going to take your thing. I, I don't think I've seen this since for the last 30 years. But it's funny how everything just came back when I was watching it. I'm like, I remember that scene. I remember that scene. I remember that those, you know, I remember that guy. I remember this, I, you know, oh, wow, that scene happened before. And I remember seeing it and not quite getting totally what it meant, but now as an adult. That makes more sense, you know? So, so yeah, that would be, I I think I'm gonna take John's answer and stick to it as well. I I think this might've only been the second time I've seen it.
1: Wow, okay. So here's so so I'm going to I'm going to say something that I don't normally say and that is I'm going to agree with Gene Siskel a little bit about this movie. I remember liking it. Hmm? I said, "Oh." Yeah. Um, I remember liking it as a kid. I remember I remember thinking it was cool. It was like, "Oh yeah, look at all those things moving around." And the the little uh, I do remember It must have been from the trailer maybe because I remember seeing this multiple times. The little uh the little baby robot kind of dancing around while they were flipping the burgers on the, on the grill. And uh, I remember those scenes, like you said, Pat, it, I hadn't seen it in 30 years, but it just all started to come back watching it this time around. Um, But watching it as an adult and, and watching it, I, I'm pretty convinced that, uh, you know, my, my kids would absolutely love this. We didn't watch it with the kids this time, but I'm pretty convinced the kids would love it my thing with the movie is as an adult i i loved the acting i thought the the actors had great performances in it i liked the the little um you know how you got each of the different characters and where they were coming from and you had the the pregnant uh single mother and the the struggling artist and the older couple that was just trying to hold on to what they had and I, all that stuff i really really liked but overall as a movie I, i'm gonna take the quote from gene siskel i'm gonna take out the last part of it and i'm gonna say i don't think the movie was boring his quote uh, that i had from his tribune review was this film is so harmless it's boring i don't think it was boring but i think it is harmless I think that there are I don't know when i when I look at this movie, I compare it I, I think I automatically compare it to two different movies, just based on who's in it and who produced it. i I compare this one to ET and I compare this one to Cocoon. And when I think of this movie compared to those other two, this one falls way short for me and and, and it doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the movie. It just means I'm not probably going to rewatch this one. If I wanted to go back and rewatch a movie that I thought had some similar themes to it, I probably would go back and either rewatch Cocoon or rewatch E.T. or, or if I was even going to watch a movie about, you know, people trying to fight against real estate developers, I might go watch Goonies or I might watch Up or, you know, any one of these other movies where somebody's trying to hold out against a, a real estate developer. But I don't know. Eventually, I might show it to the kids, um, but I don't know that I will ever go back and rewatch this one again. Really? Yeah. Wow. And 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 not that I didn't like it, it just didn't. It had great performances, but it just didn't. It, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it strikes me the same way it strikes you. Clearly not. Yeah.
2: So, so Jeff, do you want to get in there and give some of your thoughts there on
0: on it? Well, I'm. T- I definitely think that uh, the acting by Hugh Cronin and Jessica Tandy is impeccable in this movie. They are so wonderful um, as the as, as the old couple that, uh, well, so she has she has dementia. She's got some sort of uh, Alzheimer's or something where her memory isn't what it used to be. And and you have, uh, you have Frank who is, his struggle is to keep up with the times. Mm -hmm. He's clearly, you know, set in, set in his ways. You know, he refers to the neighbors by, who used to live in their apartments. Right. Um, You know, when, when they needed a flashlight, you know uh the one guy's got a flashlight he comes holding a lantern so it's it, you know definitely showing how this character is someone that almost refuses to deal with progress His progress is literally happening all around him and I, I i think there's something really unique in that in that struggle that you make you know, you, you make he and his wife the, the forefront characters in the movie. You know, when, when you have a younger cast as well, but when you choose to have the older couple as the, the main protagonist, I don't know, I, th- I thought it was just a very in- interesting choice that you would have the old couple as the the, the main um and like i said the two of them every every ounce of their performance is absolutely incredible and what i was cluing into this time when i watched it the other day i found myself getting uh getting emotional because for some reason this time more so than any other time i saw my grandmother in Jessica Tandy. And I saw her battle with dementia towards the end of her life. And a lot of it just seems so real all of a sudden. Hmm. So I was very struck that this movie that I've seen countless times, all of a sudden had that moment for me where it was like watching something new, watching something for the first time. Um, And I just love that the movie could do that. Cool, But I definitely appreciate the fact that, you know, they gave the, the older couple the limelight um, and to help underscore that, pun slightly intended, you know, you look at the music of this movie and the, the music is great. You know, you, you have a lot of the, the older, um, like the older big band type sound as a lot of the underscoring. Which is just
1: marvelous. So I don't know. I, I love that it, it it appreciates an older generation. Well, and that your your comment about giving the the older couple the the limelight in this movie that was a thing that I thought was really interesting about this, and and to its credit, um, I thought that was outstanding. Was that this is if if I had to think about it, you know, this I, I almost look at this as like a, a children's movie that it's got it's got the playful little robots and this is something you probably you know, you you see the trailer for this, you're probably gonna take your kids to this movie. But it's also a movie I think for all ages because you could have the you could have your grandparents could take their grandkids to this movie and they're both going to have something that they appreciate. And I think that's kind of a rare thing, especially now, I don't think you'd see too many movies that could be geared towards kids with an elderly couple as your main characters.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah I mean I just it just—it's part of what makes this film so unique, and I think so special is that they allowed that to happen. They allowed those characters to be the driving force of the struggle within the movie.
2: Yeah, and I was—I was struck by that too. You know, what I remember from being a kid, everything came back, and I remember, okay, this is the one about the robots. Or the robot you know the 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 alien the the mechanical aliens i should say and all the people that they helped but then when i watched it it was kind of like well not really it's 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 about the people and i'm gonna you guys are gonna laugh especially you know with my with uh, when i compare this to something i i almost as you were describing it i almost thought of when uh, michael bay redid transformers and one of the I guess one of the knocks that the, that the fan base had on it was, wow, this really isn't about the robots the, the Transformers, this is, morally, this is more about the people. And then the Transformers are just kind of in it. And that's kind of what struck me between the first time I saw it 30 years ago and then the second time I saw it you know, 30 hours ago was, oh, just like you said, this is really a story about people and especially that elderly couple The robots, that's just kind of a, you know, that's just kind of a, they're they're just characters that are in it. That's kind of what makes, partly what makes the movie unique is, okay, it's about these, these mechanical aliens. So that, that took me by surprise because I don't, I did not remember that from uh, growing up watching it.
1: One thing I did want to mention, um, you know, you mentioned the uh, the acting and and how it's got the the older couple as the main characters. One of the things that I was able to find, um, you know, like I said, couldn't find a whole bunch of backstory on this, but one of the things I was able to find was that that I, I did a, like that series of black and white photos at the beginning to kind of, you know, show you the progression of the neighborhood and and, you know, who used to live there. Um, I did find out those are actual photos of Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy who were married um, in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, So those were actual real-life photos of the two of them together. Cool.
2: Cool. Yeah, and I I just... I also want to take a second. I want to second what Jeff said. Um, uh, I love the soundtrack for this. And the big band music was... Growing up, that was my favorite kind of music. Uh, I still venture, a, if I had to pick, I'd probably say that's still my favorite kind of music uh, to listen to, um, and that that was the first stuff that I really got into seriously and bought albums and all that. So, And I, I don't remember that soundtrack from the movie. That That could quite possibly have been one of the big reasons why I enjoyed this movie as a kid too, because I mean, Given when the movie came out and my age, that was right when I was getting real serious about listening to music. And I I just I really, really thought it was cool that the soundtrack was so so rooted in that um, in that big band sound. So I know I'm I'm probably kinda of being a little bit scattershot with my comments, but I just wanted to uh, jump in there and agree with Jeff. I, I really, really like the big band sound for this music.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, I think one of the things I remember most about this was the the special effects aspect of it, the, the making the kind of bringing these the little characters. I think what they call the fixits. I think that's what they called them. Um, okay. The, the kind of bringing the fixits to life, and you know, even watching it this time, I, I was thinking, okay, well, is this gonna, is this movie gonna look a little dated? And sure, there were a couple of times here and there where you know the the motion capture or the the uh, stop motion animation looked a little dated, but, I mean, it's industrial light and magic, so I, I know that they do a bang-up job every time they do something. So uh, watching it, was I, I was just kind of struck on, you know, when this movie came out, uh, this would have been pretty amazing. And, and like they they really brought these little characters these little non-human characters to life and the, the fact that you have you know you, you start out and you've got the, the couple of fix who then have the little baby fix and, and um, you know I, I think that was what I remember most like you said I think Pat you mentioned earlier you know as a kid you, you remember the robot parts and the little robots right. flying around and getting into mischief and, and all that stuff
2: yeah and I mean I I guess you know what I if I'm trying to, like, not be combative, you know, I guess where some of the critics got on with it, I, I mean, I guess I could say what, I guess I could see where, you know, they were saying they they didn't take a risk because, you know, they never explored the Alzheimer's thing other than to establish it as the character. They never really explored the, hey, you know, time is moving on and he doesn't want to change with the times. They never really explored the whole, you know, that the, the woman that was pregnant, but the husband or the father or whatever it was, you know, he didn't really uh, hang with them. You know, I mean, they they never really explored beyond enough to establish those characters in the movie. But that being said,
0: I, I think for a kid's movie, you don't need more than that. Well, and, even for an adult movie, you know, let's say this was geared more for adults. You don't necessarily need to have that well fleshed out backstory. If they didn't go there, then they didn't go there for a reason. And you know, you it, you have to then start to wonder. Well, then why why didn't they tell us more about these characters? They they told us what we needed to know about them, so we could draw our own conclusions as to why these machines came to help these people and maybe the message there is it doesn't matter what your struggle is or where in your life you are there's help there there's always somebody or
1: something willing to help you out so that's so that's an interesting point because one of the other this was the other thing I was going to bring up uh, one of the other critics uh, I thought this was an interesting quote from Rita Kempley of the Washington Post and she wrote this in eighty seven after this movie had come out uh, and she said well, one of the one of the sentences in her review was though directed by Matthew Robbins it is an Amblin Entertainment feature rooted in the Spielbergian credo quote Earthlings cannot cope without the little men upstairs and she kind of makes a point of saying. Uh, Spielberg might have written himself into a, a bit of a, a uh, bit of a, you know, a bit of a rut here. All of his stories are about aliens that come to save us. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I feel like all of his stories are, are very heartfelt stories that they are, you know, while they might feature aliens or robots or whatever, that, that it's really about the human characters and the, the heart of the whole thing. Um, But at the same time, I realize she does kind of have a point. That's you know, if you look back at a lot of Spielberg's early stuff, it's he tends to have a few stories here and there where we got to have aliens come and save us.
0: Well, so outside of ET and Close Encounters, what else can we come up
1: with? Um, I'm thinking of. Wasn't he also one of the kind of executive producers on the Amazing Stories? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm thinking take out the word aliens. I'm thinking of um you know divine intervention. You know whether it's aliens or whether it's something else that there does seem to be a theme running through a lot of his early stuff of divine intervention. And she kind of I don't know th- this person kind of wrote it as if it's a negative. I don't know that I see it as a negative. I just think I see it as a that's something that appealed to him and Something he believed in, and so he let that seep into his work
0: yeah I, I don't see that as being a knock, especially because his work is so diverse that to pigeon all of his work into that one mold I think is wrong you know if you want to take a couple of examples of movies he did and and say it falls into that trope, what about the other 75 85 percent of his work that doesn't right so i i think me i i don't know i don't i don't agree with her Mm -hmm. it's not it sounds like
2: someone that just doesn't like the movie trying to find some higher level esoteric reason for not liking the movie other than they just didn't like the movie Mm-hmm. Well, Did any, that statement make any sense at all? I yeah, don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it could also be a, hey, we've got this uh, up-and-coming young director that has had a lot of success. That's an easy target. Let's pick on him. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know,
2: it's, he's a young up-and-coming director. He's trying to pitch ideas and get the ideas accepted and all that, so... I mean, you never know what kind of things he's going to deal with when he pitches a movie. It might be, well, OK, but, you know, we're really fascinated by aliens now in, in our culture. So make sure there's some kind of an alien component Right. or, hey, we're trying to get kids in here and, you know, OK, cute little robotic aliens. That's going to get them excited. You know, I mean, it's just like. That seemed to be what was selling, just like now it's superheroes. Yeah. So every show and every movie and every everything that's coming out now has some dude in a mask or some chick in a mask run around fighting crime. Well, okay, that's, that's just kind of what's happening. So I, I don't think just because, you know, what did Jeff, what did you say? Three of his movies are about aliens. I, I don't think we can, you know, I, I don't think we can pigeonhole him.
0: I'm looking up his... Um producer credits and you know i'm failing to come up with a large example of this trope where you know you needed the outside thing to happen
1: well and i I, that's why i thought that was kind of interesting because she would have been you know her review was from nineteen eighty seven so she would have been writing this from nineteen eighty seven and at that point in his career i mean i couldn't think of too many other things that he would have done that that would have had you know aliens or uh little men upstairs coming to save the day
0: yeah i mean so i'm I'm looking at his list of producer credits specifically from this time period Mm -hmm. from batteries not included beforehand just to see what else he may have produced
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um i mean harry and the hendersons he was an executive producer amazing stories he was an executive producer um you know poltergeist he was a producer and yeah i mean he did more than just that with Poltergeist. Right. But I'm looking at these going, so is she trying to say that in his trope, something needs to happen to the people to help bring the people together? So the MacGuffin is whatever this outside thing is, whether it be it aliens or robots or um, ghosts or whatever. Right. She, you know, Is she trying to imply that he depends on that?
1: Yeah, and I I don't I don't see that in his. You know, and and I don't I don't think that's a particularly, to use her words, Spielbergian thing to do is to have, you know, some outside force. Show humans that they need to learn a lesson about themselves. That's not a Spielberg thing.
0: No, I was, and that was going to be my next point: is that how many other directors have done that? Yeah. Or producers, or writers, or Creative Hollywood people look to the outside thing to help the characters understand themselves yeah so I don't know yeah. i I'm, I'm kind of with Pat. I think maybe she was looking for a a way of sounding knowledgeable
1: yeah it's uh, she was going for the clickbait before there was clickbait, yeah, mm-hmm
0: or maybe she was just trying to stand out yeah amongst the thousands
1: of reviewers yeah so there you go rita i don't even know if she's still alive
2: well and you know and here's a thought too. But if,
1: if she is she's listening to the podcast
2: well going on well and and here's a thought too you know sometimes What's the phrase? You know, you don't see the forest for the trees or you see the forest. I don't know. But there's the phrase about the forest and the trees. Yeah. And not the one about if something falls in the wood, doesn't make a sound.
1: But... Yeah, and the, and the you two, know, two birds in a hand. Yeah.
2: Exactly. You know, and I think... Let me put it this way. Uh, we, we... What was the movie where the two guys made the, made the girl? The Weird Science? Oh, yeah, was weird that Science. that Weird Science? Yep. Yeah. So... When we watched that movie and we broke it down and it was the first time we saw it, I came at it and thought, you know, this wasn't my thing. Growing up, I never liked watching movies that were set in, well, the quote unquote real world about kids, I never liked watching teen drama movies. And it just, it wasn't my thing.
1: Yeah, girls and are not your thing.
2: thing. What was that?
1: Girls are not your thing, that's fine.
2: Yeah, girls, girls are not my thing, definitely not. Um, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> now women I'll t- no, okay no okay okay so it just was not my thing and I remember when we broke down the movie uh, we all kind of hit on it from well from the comedy standpoint or the you know this standpoint or and uh, uh, was that John Hughes too yeah that did Weird Science was it yeah pretty sure okay and so we talked and then I think the discussion was oh okay well is John Hughes the uh, um You know what was the best john hughes movie and we hit it from that standpoint and i remember talking to my brother um and i just said hey yeah weird science and he kind of shuddered not shuddered but he kind of shrugged his shoulders and he just said yeah i don't know i that just i don't like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and i said well what do you mean you know just out of curiosity what what were your thoughts on it and he said yeah i really don't like the idea of the kids that are into science and math and you know engineering I really don't like the idea that they're the nerds. I really, I, I think that's lame. I, I don't like that. And my brother obviously isn't, well, not obviously, but my brother's an engineer. And he said, yeah, for so long, basically all we said were the cool kids were the ones that play football. And the, the non-cool kids are the ones that are like the engineers or the mathematicians or the scientists. And then, you know, his point was, and what are we, what are we dealing with now? while we're dealing with now other countries outstripping us in the sciences and the math, and you know, I mean, you know, there's other countries making advances in space exploration. Okay, so why? What am I? Why am I getting into this long convoluted story? You never know what someone is bringing to a movie. Like we might just be seeing this movie as oh, a cute little kid story, or a story for all ages. And Jeff, you're honing in on things that uh, made you think of your grandparents, and wow, it, it, this is a story about people on the you know the on the older side of life and man there's so many facets to it this reviewer could have been coming at it from a different standpoint you you know coming from it like why why are we continually showing society as not being able to help ourselves humans need to be able to you know solve their own problems not have them solved by someone else i i can't explain it anymore because i don't necessarily share those thoughts but you never know what someone is bringing to bringing to a movie when they see it and something just on a a deeper level might trigger something with them like, boy, I I really just don't like the nature of this. I brought up, you know, the weird science and my brother's negative reaction to to the way that kids that are into sciences are treated like nerds. American Pie. I really don't like those movies. I, I get real sick and tired of hearing the constant knocks on kids that are in the arts and music and the ripping on band camp and all the, not just, you know, I, it was just like, okay, yeah, that, that was funny for about 30 seconds. Let's move on. There's nothing you're going to do to change my mind. I don't like those movies because that sticks in my cross. So again, I'm not saying that the reviewer is right, but they might just be seeing this movie on a completely different level than what we're looking at, because something just triggers this, wow, I don't like the idea of us always having to go off-planet for our help. We should, as a society, we should help ourselves. I'm not saying it's right, but that maybe is just kind of what they're seeing, the lens that they're seeing this movie through.
1: I'm going to interject and say that that one movie made me more interested in in Bandcamp, even though I never went. Okay. I, I was curious to find out more about it. (laughs) <laughs> you wanted to play the flute, is what you wanted to do. Well, you know.
0: Oh. So then, let's say maybe these movies are made to help us see that we don't need to rely on other things. Mm-hmm. We do have what it, we do have what we need all along. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but okay. Maybe so. that's the point of of making these movies. <clears throat> so for this one in particular, though, I, let me play devil's devil's advocate to that, um, which is also a great movie. Um, I don't think that they could have done anything. I mean, I think they were, I think they were about ready to give up, or they didn't have any other options before you had the divine intervention of the the its coming in and helping them fix everything. Because I don't know that the old couple. I don't know that there was anything else that they could have done if they didn't have their diner, you know, magically and miraculously repaired for them. So I don't know if that I don't know if that fits for this particular movie because I think they kind of had. I I agree with you. A lot of times we, you know, in those movies, we as humans find out. Well, we had everything that we needed uh, within ourselves all along. We just needed a little inspiration. This one I I don't I don't know I don't know if they call it
0: inspiration call it some sort of just faith, some sort of sign that, you know, people see all over the place all the time. Yeah. In this case, the sign for these people happened to be the idea of these little robot things. And that was the, that, that was enough of a trigger for them to keep having faith that things were going to work out. Yeah. I mean, is it highly romanticized? Absolutely. But what's wrong with that? right well, i mean, nothing, I mean maybe
2: maybe it's maybe it does not have a deeper meaning beyond it's just supposed to be a heartwarming story right yeah with a little sci-fi i mean and that's where i say you know you get into the are you seeing the forest for the trees kind of thing is something triggered this this reviewer something triggered like oh i don't like movies that do that well okay i, I don't necessarily think they're, they're they're the movies trying to communicate on that level it might just be a story. You know, it it might just be, hey, I want to tell this story that we can sit down and enjoy. And I think sometimes critics are always looking for, well, this deeper meaning and this super huge connection or, wow, let's explore, you know, why that one guy was a bad guy. But then he went in to save the old woman, uh, you know, to get her out of the building. And then he came to give her flowers and maybe he was, you know, maybe he was abused as a child or maybe let's explore it deeper and really like follow that plot thread down or. Okay, let's let's follow that old couple all the way to where, you know, she dies is she dies and and, uh, she had Alzheimer's all the way up to the end. And they really, you know, they tried to have the happier moments in life. But, you know, maybe critics always want every movie to have this like real deep emotional ride. And and, and maybe maybe Spielberg just wanted to tell a story. Mm -hmm. That's it.
1: Well, and actually, something I did, something else I did find just now in, in doing some googling while we've been talking, is that originally this movie was meant to be an episode of the Amazing Stories TV series. Um, yeah, but, I read that. Yeah, but the Spielberg liked the idea. He just was so fascinated by it. He's like, "No, I, I want to see this done as a full length movie." Um, and he does. It kind of has that same flavor of some of those stories. It's just, uh, you know, there, there's not, there's not a, a huge deeper meaning to the whole thing. I mean, maybe there's a, you know, maybe in some of those there's a, a bit of a morality tale or or it's a little bit of the, you know, maybe you've got a little bit of the message like you do in some of the um uh Twilight Zone, the old Twilight Zone episodes where there's some kind of a little message in there, but it's not something that maybe is meant to be overly digested and and you know, picked apart and analyzed and it's just it's just it's just fun. It's just a nice little movie. It's you know, we're not going to have graduate level classes taught on, you know, overanalyzing this movie.
2: Right. And, and again, you know, if, if you want to say, if, you know, if the idea is, well, let's show something where the, the human race is helping themselves and whatnot, and we don't need to rely on aliens, well, then tell a, a real life story. Tell, tell something, tell, tell a real life story. I mean, tell a story of how, I don't know, people came together after 9-11 or how people, you know, on, on a sinking ship, a true story, you know, how they did the miracle on the Hudson. Tell however, you know, tell, tell a real story because the problem is as soon as you set foot into fiction, you can make it as realistic as possible, but it's fiction. You can make up whatever you want. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like- Yeah, look at Pearl Harbor. Well, yeah, yeah, but the, I mean, but that's my point. So, I mean, for this critic to come back and say, well, we wanna see humans helping humans. So you tell a story about how humans help humans. Well, if it's fictional, someone could always come along and say, well, that's bupkis. No one's gonna do that in real life. I, if you're gonna go that route, then you gotta tell a real story. You gotta search around and find out where people came together to help other people. Cause otherwise, you know, you can make fiction, you can make fiction, do whatever you want. Just because it doesn't, I mean, here devil's advocate here. Just let's say they rewrite this story and it's about the people helping themselves and it doesn't involve aliens coming down. Well, if it's fictional, then how do you know that that would happen in real life? I mean, how is that more inspirational? I i, I just don't, you know, if mm-hmm. you want to make something realistic, you got to make it real. Yeah. If you start making it fiction, it's there's always going to be a degree of BS in there.
1: And I will say I I did um, kind of tying this to another movie. I did appreciate the uh, closing shots where you see this little building in the midst of all the other much taller buildings. Um, And it reminded me so much of the little house in uh, the Pixar movie up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, is there anything in terms of recommending this movie to others? Um, you know, like like I've said, it. Jeff, you obviously have a much more personal connection to this movie, um, and it, it speaks to you on a on a totally different level. You know, than it that it does. I think for the rest of us. Um, you know, for me, would I recommend this movie to somebody? Yes, I would recommend this movie. Um, it doesn't necessarily have a deeper meaning for me. It's not necessarily something that I'm going to go rewatch regularly. Uh, Is it a fun little movie? Absolutely. Is it one that I think you could watch no matter what age you are? Absolutely. Does the the CGI type stuff, the the motion capture, not motion capture, stop motion, um, you know, does all that hold up pretty well? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think if you're, if you're looking for a movie that any age could watch and it's not something that you got to spend a whole lot of time, you know, necessarily Thinking about and and struggling through and all that, I, I think it's a, a great little movie to watch. It just you know for me, for my purposes, I've seen it now a couple of times in my life, and unless maybe I watch it with the kids, I don't know that I'm going to rewatch it. But um, definitely worth giving it a try if you haven't before.
0: I would agree with that. I mean, it, you know, any this is going to be very general and very cliche. Yeah, go for it. And any movie that you watch you're gonna bring your own stuff to it and you're gonna find your own connection to it. Is everyone gonna find a connection to this movie like I did? No, clearly not because the two of you didn't and I did. But you know, I think this movie, even if I didn't have that connection to it, I would still enjoy this movie. I'd still watch it again and again because I just think it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it as a kid. I enjoyed it uh when I watched it again now. I mean, um it's especially for me it would be wanting to show it to younger generations, like, you know, sit down and have a movie night with Dominic and Daniela. And um you know, I think that could be I think that could be pretty cool. All
1: right, all right. Well is there anything else, any final thoughts we wanna say on it or are we so after you had just said
0: that about uh, how this was supposed to be on amazing stories yeah i I remember having read that somewhere and i had the question i wanted to ask you guys yeah well first of all this this question only works if you're somewhat familiar with amazing stories but is there an episode of amazing stories a different one that you would want to see turned into a full-length movie or do you just Mm -hmm. not have enough um, memory of the amazing stories.
2: Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I, I, I've got my favorite amazing story, but I don't know if it would make a great movie. Which one? The one with the bomber and yeah. the artist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The it, it's called the mission. That episode. Yes. Yeah. Hmm.
2: I also kind of like the one where all the '80s characters popped out of the television in the kid's house mm-hmm that was that, that would just be fun for nostalgia and all that but
0: i yeah i'd like to you know i i think the ghost train episode could lend itself to a very interesting movie mm. Hmm. yeah um the, the the synopsis of that episode is um opa globe is convinced it is his destiny to board a train he inadvertently caused to crash 75 years ago and tells his nine-year-old grandson the old highball express will careen through their house i think that can make for a fascinating movie yeah but again i wasn't sure how familiar familiar you guys are or were with um the specific episodes but it was just you know the question popped in my mind, is there another episode that you think could be or could work as a full length movie? Or same thing with, with you know any short story mini series. Um, Stephen King's Nightmares and Dreamscapes. You know, is there anything in that group of stories that you think could work as a full length film? Or if you're not familiar with that then,
1: Yeah, no, I just uh, I I don't I don't know that I remember I remember watching them, but I don't know that I remember any of the individual stories well enough to, to be able to pick one out and say, yes, that's the one that I absolutely want to see, you know, turn into a full length movie. I, the ones you've already mentioned, the ghost train one uh, was excellent. The, the mission one is the one I've probably seen more than any of the others from the amazing stories. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's a tough one. That's a tough one to answer. Um, I just remember enjoying those so much and then and then going back and looking after it's been years since i think i've watched any of them except for the mission i remember watching that just a couple of years ago um but knowing you know knowing the kind of the, the superstar cast of people and the directors that did those episodes um you know it makes me want to go back and rewatch that whole series
2: yeah and you talk about an awesome theme music wise that yeah. that show had a great theme um you know the more i think about it the mission would be really cool if 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 basically they kept the the fantasy stuff to exactly what they did in that episode but they expanded it and maybe just made a story about you know a bomber squadron during the second world war and you could i mean if you wanted you could start with these guys, you know, maybe back in basic training and basic flight school and maybe signing up to, you know, go fight the Nazis and all that kind of thing and just make it like a straight up legit movie about the second world war. And then just have the twist in right at the end uh, where he saves, you know, he saves himself. I mean, you, you could, you know, if you wanted to do it like Harry Potter style where they, you put hints in that maybe this guy is special, you know, and, and he had some kind of power early on. But I, I think it would be cool. At first, I was like, I don't know how the mission would expand. But I think honestly, just do that. Just just like if you see in the movie Memphis Bell, do Memphis Bell, But in the last two minutes have those wheels stick out. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think that could be pretty cool. And if audiences didn't know what was coming, I think, that could be, I think that could potentially be a very, very cool, uh, very, very cool movie.
1: I'm going to go with the one, just because we are recording this on Mark Hamill's birthday, I'm going to go with the episode called Gather Ye Acorns from Amazing Stories, in which a tree troll convinces an 18-year-old to follow his dreams, and that 18-year-old is Mark Hamill.
2: That would be cool.
1: There we go. I, I think one of the things I appreciate about the Amazing Stories is that they were these short stories. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, for for me personally, as much as I enjoy reading a good novel, I've always, I I think I've always tended a little bit more towards short stories because I, I like when an artist can pack something into a small amount of time. You whether know, it whether it be, whether it be yeah. a short story whether it be a poem whether it be a short film um, I think I've always my fascination has always been I want to see what somebody can do in a in a very constrained amount of time I, I still love movies but to me it's it's more fascinating when I can see okay what can they do with 20 minutes what can they yeah. do with 15 minutes so I don't know I my response to that is I don't know that I want to see any of them made into feature films because to me that's the that's what i enjoyed about those was it was a it was a a bite-sized piece of time but still an amazing story packed into into that Mm -hmm. amount of time
2: so you just pulled a me you just rejected the question i did
1: i rejected the premise of the question so i i pulled a pat well fine then you know you go pull on Pat, and I'm going to go to bed. All right. Well, good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that before we get ourselves in any other trouble, I think that's going to do it for uh, "Batteries Not Included." Um, oh, I did want to mention. I did see something else uh, interesting. The name of the movie in international releases was not "Batteries Not Included." It was "Miracle on Eighth Street." So then you you are harkening back to some of the you know some of the more classic movies uh, like "Miracle on." 34th street and and some of those others, but, um, yeah, saw that just a few minutes ago and thought that was worth mentioning all right well uh that so this one was batteries not included and uh next time around we are going to be you know what we may be doing a little bit of shuffling here because with our 150th episode turning into three episodes uh we are a little bit behind in the movies that we're going to do for september because we are recording this on september 25th meaning there is only one week of september left and we have uh we have this movie and three others in our uh, september sci-fi month list of movies so we might be moving a few around um here is what we had intended for september and october so this is all tentative and, and like i said we might move some stuff around a little bit um coming up next is going to be inner space um great movie i love that movie Um, And then Predator, we might move Predator to next month because next month is our horror movies. And I think Predator can fit well in there. Um, We could move Superman 4 The Quest for Peace into horror because it's a scary movie to watch. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll think about that one. Jeff, I know you already said, you know, just for reasons of sanity and and, uh, mental health, you might skip that one. Which one? Superman 4 The Quest for Peace. Yeah, I don't feel the need to watch it again. I, you know what I don't blame you (laughs) Um, you know what I do get Superman um, then uh, October is our horror month and we're going to be looking at Prince of Darkness Hellraiser, Near Dark and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors and I know that that's absolutely the month that Pat has been looking forward to all year
2: all um, oh, the last
1: eleven months. Yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, so we will. Uh, we might move a few of those around. I next week we will definitely do interspace, uh, but we might move a couple of the others around, and then uh, we'll move on into our October horror month. The last thing I wanted to mention uh, before we kind of wrap up and tell you where you can find us in all these other places, um, if you are looking because it is coming up on October, and if you are looking for. Um, Oh, I'm trying to remember who... It's the Seattle Pop Culture Museum. Um, I'm going to forget what it's called. Um, But there's a a Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle. uh, Museum of... Oh, I think it's just called Museum of Pop Culture. Um, But they have a must-see horror movie list. So as it gets closer to October, and if you are looking for something to go watch... Uh, in terms of horror movies, as we go on into this next month, um, the museum of pop culture in Seattle, Washington has a list of the hundred, let's see, it is the hundred horror movies to see before you die. And I was looking over the list and I'm like, you know what, if I had, if there were a hundred days in October, I would, I would challenge myself to try to go through this list in the month of October. But I kind of feel like like this could be its own podcast just to go through this list of of uh, oh it's the EMP Museum is what it used to be called but I think it's now called the Pop Culture Museum and uh, just an outstanding list of horror movies uh, some of the ones on here are ones that uh, you know we will either be covering remakes of them or they are inspired by. Uh, you know, movies that we are watching here are inspired by ones that are on. There are a couple on here that we have done or that we will do that are on this list. But um, it starts the very first one on the list, and it goes chronologically. Is uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920? Um, that's a great one, if you've never seen that one before. Nosferatu in 22, Dracula in 1931, Frankenstein in 1931, but goes on through a lot of those classic horror movies. Uh, that's kind of the beginning of the list. Is, uh, and then you get to Them from 1954, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Godzilla, The Blob. Um, you start to kind of fly into the, the 60s and 70s, Night of the Living Dead, Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, uh, Carrie, The Omen, uh, you get on into the '80s with The Shining, American Werewolf in London, Poltergeist, The Thing, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Fly, Evil Dead 2, Hellraiser, um, Silence of the Lambs, Interview with the Vampire. So it, 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 the list just goes on and on. So if you are a horror film enthusiast, uh, which I know Dennis is a big fan, um, and I'm a fan of a good horror movie too, especially some of those classic horror movies. I, I'm I'm even just looking at the list from like the '20s up through the '50s. And I'm like. I could do that. Like, I'd be totally happy to spend a month of October just watching some of those old horror movies. I, I'm I'm good to go with that. So I'll include the link to this in, uh, in some of our show notes here. But if anybody's looking for anything to watch, this would be a good place to start. Excellent horror film list for the month of October. All right. Well, that being said... Um, Where can you find us? You can find us on 30podcast.com. That's 30podcast.com. That's our website. Um, And that'll have all the different places you can get a hold of us. We are on all the different... Uh, social media outlets we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram uh you can call us we have a voicemail line um you can email us we have a gmail address that you can email us at 30podcast at dot uh we are on uh, on twitter that's where we do most of our interacting and posting of things it's at three zero podcast on twitter uh and we are creeping up on almost 900 followers so we're gonna cool. we're gonna see if we can get to that thousand by halloween so um, but yeah, and you can listen to us on Stitcher, Satchel, Google play podcast, iTunes, pretty much anywhere that they have a collection of podcasts. Uh, we are there so you can go find us in all those different places. Uh, you can also listen to our episodes directly from our website at 30 podcast.com. So that all being said, um, Thank you for joining us tonight. We look forward to having you back here again uh, next week for Inner Space. Uh, If you want to get ahead of the game and go watch the movie now, go watch it now so you'll be ready to go for next week. If you've got any feedback, if you've got any thoughts or memories of of watching that movie you want to share with us, feel free to send us a message on any of those ways that you can get a hold of us. Uh, And until then, thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Pat. Thanks, Thanks, John. And uh, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. We'll see you next time.